Hey, what's up? This is Mark Lopes from Metal Church of Rasta Boss Band. Let us pray. And you'll listen to Aftershocks TV. And for, don't forget to keep it fucking metal. Yeah. All right, you're watching Aftershocks TV right here on the CMS Network. And we'd like to welcome our guest today. From the legendary New York classic metal vets, the Rods, we got drummer Mr. Carl County with us here on Aftershocks. What's happening, Carl? Thanks hey for guys. coming on, man. Hey. Hey, thanks, for, thanks for having me. I'm here. I'm clean. I've got a little cologne on. I'm ready Ooh. to go. <laughs> oh, wow. Cologne. <laughs> like All right. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, today is the day, Carl. The new album, Rattle the Cage. Let's bring this up right here. Uh, it's out now on Massacre Records. It's uh, the first full length. Uh, for you guys since 2019's Brotherhood of Metal and the third release since you guys reunited about 15 years ago. Uh, excuse me, 15 years ago. Um, and so before we just get into talking about the new album, Carl, I mean, when you think back, you know, to the early part of the band's career at the dawn of the 70s and then into the mid-80s when you guys had first, you know, disbanded, did you or could you have ever imagined you'd be sitting here talking about a new full-length album coming out 45 years later? I mean, what's your... What's your thoughts on that? You know, I used to think that 30 was old. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I used to think I'd be dead by 35. I didn't, you know, my long range plans were not that long range. So, yeah, so I know I had no idea we would be here talking all these years later, nor would I be thinking that, you know, Rattle the Cage would be out today mm. and that mm. we're already halfway through the next album. Oh, wow. So, who would have oh, thought that? Oh, shoot. Wow, so you got another one in the can coming up. Okay. Absolutely. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, Rat of the Cage, you know, I mean, Carl to me, I mean, essentially, when I listen to it, to me, it picks up really where you guys, you know, left off with the last release, Brotherhood of Metal. Um, you've obviously got a video uh, that came out last month for Play It Loud uh, that everyone could check out that's out there now. And, and today was a new Now and Forever, the uh, new single. Yeah. Okay, so, so the new single so out there. Today's a new video release. Mm-hmm. One oh, of my favorites cool. too. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I mean, this is, such, this is a great. There's some great tunes on here. I love "Can't Slow Down," "Hell of High Water" too. A great, a great tracks uh, as well. But I mean, so a lot of these tracks, I did read. I think that "Play It Loud," for uh, example, was a song that David had sort of in his catalog. Are a lot of these tracks that you guys uh, have on this record? Are these more fresh, newer ideas or concepts that you've written? Or a lot yeah. of these tracks, they are. Okay, so they're not from <clears throat> they're anything all new. from the past. No, they're all new. When David says in his catalog, it's his, his I believe what he means is it's been his, uh, that's just been his motto. I remember okay. asking David to write a song, and I'll have to ask him about this, to write a song that has call and response within the song. So you don't have to break it down and people would sing. It would be in the song, and that, that's play it loud. But uh, I'll have to ask him about that. Mm, okay. Very cool, man. And you have to forgive my voice. I'm just getting over mm. a nasty flu. Oh, my not voice good. Come, my voice comes and goes, but uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll be good enough here. The, the fresh bathing and the cologne will carry me through. <laughs> <laughs> a cologne work magic, man. I love awesome. it. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, and um, so, Carl, you know, <laughs> obviously there's been a major uh, change to the band's lineup. Uh, Gary no longer is with you guys, and he's obviously – you know, uh, been there since, you know, for a year, obviously, since back in 1980 or not longer. Um, you got Freddie now in tow. Um, so I think this is have to be, especially for you, 
a big change being he's the other half, obviously, of the rhythm section. Um, and obviously, you guys have been playing, you know, for, for decades with each other. So, I mean, how has that change now been for both you and David in terms of not just, you know, writing, recording, and playing live, but really just from not having that same person around in the room that always been there since you guys started to release music, you know, 40-plus years ago? Well, it's totally, totally different. Uh, our tour manager says, somebody said, well, what's the difference of having Freddie in the band and, with the, you know, overall in the band? And, <clears throat> excuse me, she said, well, you know how when you have two old cats in the house and then you introduce a kitten, like totally the old cats come to life. <laughs> and uh, I say it pissed me off when I heard it, but actually and I thought for a minute, I thought, how can I be pissed? It's hysterical. But That's anyway... Great. It's been across the board. Freddie is, first of all, it, it's different from playing with Gary, but Gary and I, Gary was not a team player when it came to playing parts. Gary was, mm. he was a guy who, he didn't want to spend time working out parts. He was, actually toward the end, I had to really push him to do Brotherhood of Metal. He had a bitter attitude toward the business. And, you know, so it was, he, he wasn't really in the game. It wasn't a surprise that he retired, at least from the rods. <clears throat> However, with them, um, Freddie, he and I work parts out. You know, I call us the Thunder Twins, but we work parts out. The rhythm section, I mean, it's it's never been better. When we go on stage, for me, I know we're going to be solid. Freddie mm -hmm. brings a whole different bass tone from Gary. So Gary was a very mm -hmm. heavy mid-range. Freddie is more geezer butler, the low end, the high yep. crack in the top. That's mm -hmm. what I love. So I'm really, uh, I couldn't be happier. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And the other part of the thing with Freddie is that Freddie is – a very positive individual. He's a good guy. He brings a lot. I do a lot of managerial duties for the band, and Freddie has been a huge part of that team now. He helps so much. We work very well together. He has my back on so many things and brings a lot of ideas. He sequenced the album, for example. David okay. and I were going round and round about, you know, which song should be here. And, you know, the typical, you're an asshole. That's wrong. No, fuck <laughs> you. That's supposed to be here. Oh, sorry, can I say that? Sorry. Yep. Yes, you can. Uh, no. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. <clears throat> okay, good. I didn't mean to, but good. So anyway, <laughs> the uh, you know we would go back and forth, you know, good good naturedly, of course. But uh, you know, David said, "What about letting the new guy, hmm. you know, do sequence it?" That's a great idea. So Freddie, who ha already had his own sequence in mind, sequenced the album. We were really happy with it. So Freddie contributes in so many ways, and uh, as far as David goes. You know, I think David, I feel the same way. I think David feels the same way as I do. That having Freddie in the band, like I said, no drama, very positive, very proactive. Um, we've not had that. Gary was not an integral part of the band. Gary didn't write songs. Gary mm. didn't, um, I'm not dissing Gary. I'm just saying this is what the story was sure. with Gary. Gary just wasn't involved. You know, he was like, oh, if we had a gig, a lot of times I would send him gigs for something in Europe, hey, David and I talked, we've got a gig here in Europe or two or three gigs, and I would get a simple text back, not interested. Wow. So so that was the involvement sometimes. So not that he wasn't phenomenal on stage. He and David were, like I call it, the dog and pony show that I got to watch because those guys would be all over the stage and uh, together. But Freddie's very positive and very, uh, you know, I think for David it's the same as for me. When he goes on stage, he knows he's got a solid rhythm section. Freddie's there. Freddie's you know, he's involved in the band and he interacts with David on stage. Like if you didn't know right. the band or you just saw somebody before and you saw, you, you would just, you wouldn't notice the difference. And what's been surprising to me again, is that the fans have been, uh, they, they have embraced him. 
without question. I think maybe I've had two people say something like, oh, I miss Gary. I'm like, well, when did you see Gary before? Well, I really didn't. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing in terms of how the, the fans have really embraced Freddie and, uh, it's been it's been a great for for me it's been a rejuvenation that i'm really happy about it's in this what is really the proverbial and i hate to ever be negative mm. because i have a lot of things going on myself that i'm still pro working on projects including my new book which i'll be announcing shortly nice um but it's nice to be in basically the you know the, the you i'll just use a cheesy now uh, literary uh, reference in the final chapter of the band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to be cheesy. I hear other people, you know, hey, I, 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 I listen to them. I go, Oh my God, that's so cheesy. But you're, thank you. You're welcome. I just tossed out some Gouda for everybody. Nice. Um, but I have, it's nice to be this energized and being this prolific. David's hmm. been writing like crazy. I actually sent them to got out my guitar and bass and uh, just recently and started writing some riffs again because I've been basically sending lyrics. And uh, so now I'm back to contributing ideas. Freddie contributes ideas, which is something we haven't had. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, it's a great, it's a great new day for the rods and to, for however long it lasts, I'm, I'm thrilled.
Hey, Carl, I, I woke up this morning and, um, you know, I was listening. I'm, I'm do I want to hear, wait, do I, do I want to hear this? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, you do. Oh, yeah, okay. this is this, okay. this is good. Yeah, this is a, this is not X-rated, believe me. But woke up this morning and the new Saxon uh, track dropped. The new, um, sorry, the new Saxon album dropped. The new Judas mm-hmm. Priest song dropped, and the new Rod's album dropped. I said, okay, so this is a good metal day. It's like seven o'clock in wow. the morning. I am set for the afternoon and set for the day. So walk my dog, listen to music, listen to your the, the latest album. Phenomenal, absolutely love it. And I want to talk with that in a second, but. The clarity of the production, and I've read this on a couple of reviews, is so damn good. I just couldn't get over the clarity, like that Hammond feel, the organ, that underlay. But when you write the first track for whatever that first track for the album is, does that become the precursor of the style of the album, or do you just write songs and just bring them together kind of later on in the stage? That's a good good question, and you have a couple of points there. First point I'll I'll address is Chris Collier. I've I've been looking for and wanting the rods. I always felt Mm -hmm. that we never really had justice done to our sound. We never, Mm. very seldom did we have an album that I thought, wow, when I put this on, I think, well, this captures the energy of the band. You know, this is definitely something that represents us, you know, more of what the band is all about on vinyl and, and digital recording. Yeah. So I started looking for people. And I started listening to a lot of products and I started finding engineers and ultimately Jeff Pilson pointed me to Chris Collier who mm-hmm. mixed the album. Mm-hmm. He mixed Brotherhood mm-hmm. of Metal. He also mixed the 450s album because I'm part of that band. Mm-hmm. And um, he mixed the, uh, the Kennedy album, Warrior. But Chris Collier is, is well known, he's highly respected. But if there's a secret weapon, it's Chris Collier. He's phenomenal. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that people are recognizing it, that uh, he's just, he kicks ass as a, mm-hmm. an engineer. And he redid the White Snake along with Corn, or is it Corn? I can't remember what one of the two bands mm-hmm. that get mixed up was Corn. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's a major player. But also he, uh, he redid the, uh, David Coverdale chose him to reissue his, his yep. catalog. Yeah, he did that recently. Pristine. pristine, It is pristine, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 48 minutes of intent, uh, like 10 songs. 48 minutes is not a long album. 48 minutes for 10 Mm -hmm. songs is a long album, but there's a lot of intent on it. There's a lot of passion on it. So that's that's like, I just think it's a phenomenal album. I urge everybody, I can hear Dio, I can hear Man of War, I can hear a little bit of Judas Priest. On the second track, I was just waiting for Rob Halford to just start screaming. I just, I was waiting for it. So good. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, it just sounds Mm -hmm. like a Priest track. But I got to ask you, just, uh, you mentioned Hell or High Water on that. And, you know, I, I, I jumped on and I can hear Man in the Silver Mountain. So that's, that's already my favorite track on Listen One. Obviously, I got to give it a couple of spins. Tell me about that track and, uh, that help that kind of Richie Blackmore esque feel going on in the background. Hell or High Water was an idea, which is again, like I said, Freddie brings in ideas and riffs, and yeah. so Freddie, I believe, started that. Now David, David, and I both go back to obviously I was the first drummer in Man of War, so mm-hmm. the, you know, and I knew Joey prior to sure. that. So my influences of that, my influences are Ronnie James Dio from when it was the Elves, the Electric Elves, the yeah. Elves, Elf, and so on. So, you know, that's my DNA. Obviously, it's David's DNA. So that stuff, you know, doing a doing a basic uh, repurposing, if you will, mm. of some of those ideas, it just, just comes out yeah, just the way time. it is. And, uh, you know, High Water was just a cool, I love that vibe. 
I was a huge fan of Gary Driscoll, the drummer mm-hmm. in, in Rainbow, first Rainbow. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that's just, uh, I've forgotten where I was going with that question. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was just the, over, the overall kind of vibe and you can just hear, you yeah. can hear the Dio, you can hear the Blackmore, you can hear the production, the underlying mm-hmm. Hammond kind of groove to it. And I just, that was just, I mean, again, I've listened to that the album one time, you know, Walking the Dogs, fucking around the house, whatever, just taking it in, kind of absorbing it. And that's the first track that really hit me. Second track in with um, the, <laughs> Waiting for Rob Halford, but definitely uh, Hell or High mm-hmm. Water really struck home with me today. I'm glad, and I'm glad I didn't know how long I was out, but I'm glad I answered most of it before I came, came through. <laughs> I got it all. That's it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Carl, I'm going to go back to what you just uh, individually you just talked about, Chris Collier. You know, like you said, he has been, mm-hmm. I mean, been working with so many, I mean, not so much new bands, but really what I think he does so well is working with those veteran bands to to get to really make that classic sound sound modern, you know, and that's just something I think that he's really good at. And obviously you're, you know, you're not a stranger yourself, obviously in the studio being a big time producer for, you know, decades yourself. So what is it, I mean, in terms of Chris really that makes him so, I guess, you know, for, for veterans, especially for metal veterans who've been around for decades to want to use him. Is it because he can get that, that modern sound, which he's obviously done on rattle the cage. You know, that's that's an interesting question. I I was listening to a lot of music, as I said, before I blacked out. <clears throat> and uh, and it was it was a case of I heard last in line and I thought, mm. wow, the bass sound is killer on this. Yeah. Oh, wait, listen to the vocals sound amazing on this. Oh, Vinny's drums, everything's so clear. Mm. Everything is so powerful. You know, Vivian's guitar sound killer jumps out and it's an iPhone I'm thinking holy shit who is able to mix something that sounds heavy and loud on an iphone that's impossible mm-hmm. so that's when i started the hunt and that's that was really how i i really went after finding that guy it turned out to be chris collier and jeff pilson you know put me in touch um i'm sure that's a draw for everybody in the fact that what you mentioned about taking a classic sound which is you know we're traditional metal classic mm-hmm. metal mm-hmm. um but to keep it modern which is what you, i mean we're interested in that as much as anybody we're not looking to go back mm-hmm. to the old days and you know dumb it down which i see a lot of bands love that but you know we're looking to push the envelope sure. at least in terms of sonically being as modern as we can be mm-hmm. and as powerful as we can be in a recording and chris chris was that guy and i'm sure that's the draw for everybody but yeah he's been able to take the old basically the old style traditional metal and then add a touch that gives it a modernization that mm-hmm. really adds that sheen on top of it and also it's so powerful his mm-hmm. mixing yes. just he really doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't make anything wimpy he makes sure it's powerful and it's you know i'm a big fan i told him yesterday i sent him some reviews and i was saying something to him and i said you know he was saying oh thanks i go hey i'm a, not only do we work together but i'm a fan mm-hmm. No. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like I said, he is. Whether it's modern bands or veteran bands, he is an amazing, uh, you know, guy in the studio. And as I was just saying, you obviously, you know, have quite the studio resume yourself as a producer over the decades, working on such classic records, you know, by bands like Anthrax, Overkill. I mean, you got them all behind you right there. I see in uh, in your room there. I mean, you could just take a look and see all those records that you've oh, yeah, uh, like been involved with. Um, 
And I, you know, I always, yeah, look at all that. Exactly. Fist full of metal. I mean, go down the line. I always hear also that, you know, uh, Carl, that producing, because you obviously also produce the, the Rods records, that producing your own records are so much more difficult than when you do it for other bands and artists because it's, you can either be obviously too critical or the opposite with your own music. So, I mean, just from your experiences over these, what's your take on it? I mean, is it easier to produce other people's music than your own? And what's the biggest difference between the two, in your opinion? Well, David and I have been doing producing our own albums for the most part since the beginning. Yeah. So David and I work well together. We don't have any issues. You know, we respect each other's ideas. So, so that's never an issue. Producing other people, if they're like, I produced last year, no, last November, I produced a Christmas song for Adam and the Metal Hawks. Mm-hmm. And if you hadn't had, haven't heard Adam and the Metal Hawks, they are a fantastic young band. And so that was one of the easiest sessions I've ever done. The guys were super talented. And uh, they listened to any direction I had. They executed everything. We did it in a day, two, uh, two days, mixed, recorded and mixed the song in two days. And we were out early, second day. So it was really fun to do um, and, and easy. I, I still love producing. Sometimes when you're producing a band, everybody comes to things in their own time. So you bring, you, you have to sort of, if somebody isn't quite up to snuff, so you kind of direct them in a direction that maybe will help them for a little bit and buy them some time before they're up to record their parts. It's a tricky line you walk. You want to make everybody happy. You want to make it a fun experience. By the same token, you're tasked with mm getting a product that is commercial, um, accessible, and something that captures the band, but also delivers a product that people are going to re- respond to. So that's a little tricky sometimes. And then, and of course, what you were saying, when it came to doing my solo album, as much as a prick as everybody who's worked with me may think I am, I was a bigger prick working with myself. It was horrible. <laughs> I was the biggest asshole I'd ever worked with. Oh my God. Everything was, Oh, what about this? What about that's not raw? That do that yeah. again. Yeah. But what mm-hmm. about this? Let's second guess the same idea 25 times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let, and then let's mm-hmm. just not, let's just not do it. No, you're right. Let's not do it. You're an asshole. Yes, that's right. You're an <laughs> asshole too. I had nobody to fight with. I had no one, <laughs> I had no one to bounce ideas for off. I was just like in hell spinning around in my little brain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when it came to doing the second Kennedy album with warrior, um, mm-hmm. that was phenomenal because it was a band. The only reason it was called Kennedy was because we, we needed to call it something to release it. And since the band had no track record that the best thing to do was just call it Kennedy to get us as much attention as we could for whatever that, that actually, you know, mm-hmm. went to the, uh, to the accessibility, but it was a whole different world. And, you know, they're all three of those guys that worked together. Tony, the bass player, would always come in with ideas that were fantastic, and then we fleshed them out. And the guitarist Charlie, so great—not just a shredder, but great at orca- or- mm. orchestrating parts. And so he would build layers upon layers. And then, of course, Mike—I call him the chameleon—and he has a new album coming out, uh, some, shortly with Freddie. I can't remember Red something Records, but it's really cool. But Mike is a phenomenal singer. And so working with those guys is a whole other animal from when I did my solo album. So, you know, all different projects and all different, uh, you know, approaches. Sometimes you're getting in a studio with most of the people I've worked with have been wonderful. You know, I love working with them. Every now and then you come across somebody who's a real jerk mm-hmm. and, and you just, you just have to flow around the rock. You do the best you can. 
You know, I got, I got a question that, like, I, you know, it started out, Carl, talking about, you know, your album is out today in Priest and Saxon, whatever. And obviously you've mentioned, you know, Jeff Pilsen and various different musicians. So as a, as a credible musician, you know, with a 44-year legacy and well-established in the rock and metal world, do you ever stop being a fan? And I don't mean that, I don't mean just, like, obviously you like who you like, but I mean, like, being immersed in the music. So Matt and I are always talking about, hey, this new album has come out, and this guy's producing it, and I'm reading whatever magazines, jumping on Blabbermouth a couple of times a day. Do you, do you ever stop <laughs> being that fan? Because if I became the most famous metal musician in the world tomorrow, I could never not be a fan because it's in my DNA since 1981 and it's just who I am. Does that ever happen to you no. musicians generally? I don't know about other musicians, but no, I'm, I'm a fan. And by the way, forget the Saxon and Priest album. Those guys, you, you know, they'll be around. Get, definitely check out the Rods album. <laughs> They're not on, so screw them, right? Screw Piff right. and, and Rob. That's right. Every band for themselves. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, you know, I've been a fan forever. And uh, that's, you know, that was, that was such why my influences are mm. what they are. And studying with Carmine Apice, Tony Williams, I love their music. You know, then right. when I yep. studied with them, it was phenomenal, you know, what, what I was able to learn. But but I was a fan and I'm still a huge fan of both of those drummers. Mm. But I'm a fan of a million drummers and I get flack sometimes because I'll talk about Charlie Watts or, or Ringo and my uh, drum friends who are snobby, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they'll be like, oh, they suck. I'm like, really? Because I could play a basic Ringo bait, beat after about a day when I got my drums. And, you know, 50 years later, I still can't play it like Ringo. So, okay. That's, yeah. You know, I get it. Mm. But uh, no, I'm I'm always reading and checking up what's what's somebody doing, what's going on. You can't mm. help it if you love Good. music. You, you love it. music. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, if somebody is like, and what Matt and I do here, you know, we just do it for fun. We just love what we do, and you know, we don't make a dime off this. We don't want any money from this. But if somebody is watching this, and you know, on AfterShocks TV. And then they're there said, Oh, the rods, yeah, I know those guys, or they don't know them, whatever. Where do you send them? Like from a 1980, you know, kickoff with you know rock hard right up to t literally today, where do you send them to kind of catch hold of the band and then <clears throat> get them immersed in your music going back all those years? No, I I appreciate you saying that. The best thing to do is and I'll set it up a GoFundMe page for me. So you can send <laughs> money directly to me. And uh, you know, I'll be be willing to divert divert disperse it to the band of course you know but like mm -hmm. like most charities you know five percent will go to the actual oh, charity. Five, wow. <laughs> wow no you can go to the rods.com and and the other is the other the rod the official rods fan page mm -hmm. uh, you can go there and also carl kennedy fan page or david rock feinstein or freddie villano any of those pages on Facebook, easy to reach us as well as the Rods. Sure. And even from a musical perspective, where do you send them, say, where do they dip into your career to really get hold of who you are? Obviously, the new album is out today. I want everybody to check that out. But if somebody wanted to jump into your discography, what period do you send them? Or are they individual periods, like the start, the middle, the end? What is it? Where do, you, where do they go? Well, when we first started this, I kind of liked you. But now you're, you know, you're delving into this. So now I have to look at my career in decades. So thank you. <laughs> Making me feel really old. Um, I think that's been the dichotomy of my whole career, which mm. I didn't understand it until I put out Headbanger. And then doing interviews, reviewers would say, I only knew you as a producer. Sure. And mm. others would say, well, I only knew you as the drummer for the Rods. 
And uh, so it was really hard. So eventually it melded, you know, we were able to meld that to some degree. But even for me, there are projects that I barely remember doing that I have. And it's hard to, like, where do you go find them is a really good question. So what we're, we're talking about doing is a Wikipedia page once my book comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to compile all these albums I've been a part of, either played on, uh, guest drummer, or produced. And uh, so there's one place, but right now I really don't know. I guess the, the internet is the best place. And uh, But I hate sending people to the internet because there'll usually be some goofy picture will show up and I'll be so <laughs> embarrassed by that. And uh, so, you know, it's like I hesitate to go, yeah, just Google me, man. That's cool. Yeah. And then I think, oh, God, what did they just see? Yeah, what did they do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I think I, I wish I had a place and hopefully we will have something for Sweet. a Wikipedia. But for now, I would say Google and uh, YouTube is good, you know.
I just appreciate you even trying to find any info. Yeah, man. Sure. I was doing yeah. it. That's why I wanted. I, I want to give everybody direction if they want to discover you, the rods, your musical legacy, and that's what it, this is. What this is about. So to this, launch bands from scratch, your legacy bands like yourself. I appreciate that, but honestly, that was a trick question, wasn't it? Because you've done the research, you know the answers, but yeah, you wanted to <laughs> yeah. trick me and my, say my something notes are right stupid. there. My notes are right there. So yes, you're one hundred percent correct. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Carl, you know, just going back to, you know, I'm just talking about really the early days. I mean, the Rods and Man of War, you know, upstate New York. Um, you guys were really two of the the bands that were really, really raising that flag for metal in terms of the celebratory themes of the genre when it came to the track, you know, uh, names and the lyrics. And that essentially really eventually kind of led into what everyone, you know, knows now as power metal. I mean, what really? What was it about? I guess the the two bands um, when it came to sort of that musical and lyrical approach to celebrating the genre that way. I mean, it's it, you know obviously the Brotherhood of Metal, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that really when I think of that stuff, I think of the, of the Rise, I think of Manowar. Where what, what do you think that kind of emanated from? Talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Well, you know, early I knew Joey before we started working together. Joey had a vision for Manowar. And I have to be honest, I don't think, and, I, and maybe I didn't either, you know, didn't see his vision. It was a very tunnel vision, laser focused idea for Man of War, mm -hmm. laser focused. I remember when he called me and said, we finally have the name for the band. And I was like, wow, so cool. But he had a vision long before. So. Joey was his own guy, and I and I knew it was going to be huge. That kind of mm -hmm. intelligent, focused approach was go only going to lead to major success. And then, of course, working with him and seeing how things evolved when we went, we auditioned for um, his name Curry from uh, EMI, Ross's friend. But just seeing the evolution of that, being there at the genesis of that band, was clear. But I think Joey was his own person unto himself from day one. I think David, you know, pulls his influences and I pull my influences from all of the the different bands that we loved and were fans of. Of course, David toured for a solid year with Deep Purple and a million other bands that were on bills. So his influences are there. And, and I just think we were, when, when the rod started, I know that for us, we were very much um, a band, a gang. We're, you know, it's us against the world kind of thing. And I think... Mm -hmm. Out of that is what came, you know, how we wrote some of the lyrics or some of the ideas was just it's us against the the world, and we uh, kind of celebrated it in the music. Yeah, well, and one of the thing I, I loved about it, and I, I, mean, I still do, obviously, is just how much fun it was. You know, I mean, it was so much fun that that brought to metal, and I think that's something that's really kind of been missing, you know, over the decades. Is it's become maybe the opposite; it's become more angry and hostile and it's just that i mean it, what drew me to metal as a, as a youngster in the 80s was that which just it was so fun i mean what's your take i mean coming from you know someone who was obviously a part of bringing that fun to metal i mean obviously you've seen that you know yourself over the years i mean what's your your i guess take on that coming from someone who played that style of fun metal that we just kind of don't see as much as we once did when the genre first started you know if i hear my friends say uh, I haven't heard anything good since whatever year. And I'm like, wow, are you listening to the music? Like, do you, do you listen to anything new? So I would hesitate to say too much 
to address that because you know sometimes it makes me feel like some of those opinions would be a little dated and coming from this old geezer when in fact i celebrate all new music one thing i don't love is when i see i see it from both sides i see young bands that i work with or friends with and they are into all kinds of music it doesn't they don't label it they're just this this stuff is great these guys kick ass i love this so they don't go, oh, that's that's just uh, metalcore. That's not, you know, that's not this or that's not that. They don't have the elitist thing. They like it all, which is in my era growing up with, like I went to Woodstock when I was 16. And, you know, Richie Havens opens the show. And then I heard Mountain, which was life-changing for me. When I heard those riffs and Leslie West's voice. I was like, holy shit, I love this. I'm still a fan to this day, that whole sonic thing he had going. Mm-hmm. So... I don't see a lot of that now. So that's one of the things that's maybe disappointing to me is not different styles of music, but the fact that the fans will sometimes be very much, oh, if it's not this, then I don't want to hear it, yeah. mm-hmm. which I find close-minded. And I find, you know, you're limiting yourself to great music. If the music is cool, then, you know, and I've tried to learn from everybody and everything. And that's been, been my attitude is I don't care what it is as long as it's good. And if it's good right. and somebody's doing something, that maybe I haven't, I don't understand it. I try to get in the kind of the mindset of what's going on. How is this happening and what are they doing? And I try to learn that and embrace it. And, you know, we've, we've had this in the rods forever, which is that we have a, we have the, uh, the rod saying that if it's more than three chords, it takes longer than five minutes to learn. It's not a good rod song. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the rods laws we have, which, which is comical, but, but, you know, to some degree it's true. But the other thing is that we have a rule that if somebody brings in an idea, you listen to that idea before you insert your ideas when you're writing a song. And the other is you must be able to execute that idea before you can insert anything or suggest anything. So if you, if you can't play that idea and execute it well, then you really have nothing to say about it. Mm. And that's, that's been a really good thing for us. We have a lot of respect, right? So she has yeah. a lot of respect and restraint because as you know, sometimes bands start and somebody will bring in a riff. Uh, oh, wait, I got this idea too. And pretty mm-hmm. soon that's just the, it's so watered down or mm-hmm. so discouraging. You have nothing. So I think, you know, musicians today, but I do see a lot of young bands and I love the camaraderie mm-hmm. uh, from the different bands who host each other and take care of each other, the, especially the, the metal, hardcore metal bands. Yeah. And uh, so I love that, you know, I love that. And I see it with young drummers who are phenomenal. But they oh, they yeah. love the yeah. they love the way I play. And I'm like you smoke me as a drummer, but yeah. it's not a it's not about that you know it's about the mm-hmm. what you bring to the music and they listen to okay that's his style so that's a cool thing like I say about Ringo I don't play like Ringo, but you know I would polish his drums any given time you know because I think he's phenomenal. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a respect and a camaraderie with with the musicians. So that I love. I just don't love some of the negative you know, vibe that happens because they're becoming elitist. Well, this that style of musical that I won't listen to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, and you mentioned something too before, you know, Carl, about, you know, obviously the rides, you guys, obviously, you know, you, you've toured with so many of those legendary British bands, Priest and Maiden, you know, and when I think about when that, you know, the, the rides, when you guys came up, I mean, you were definitely one of the first American bands to sort of take that new wave of British heavy metal wing, you know, wing and, you, you know, bring it here to the States now, having, you know, you guys touring with those bands, you know, back back then, as an American band, I mean, did you feel like any, I guess, pressure to sort of, 
do the music justice when you was, especially when you support those bands, considering this was their sound and now here you are, you know, obviously it came over to the States here and you were one of the first you know, bands that were playing it and pushing it. I mean, was that, did you guys feel like you had something to prove back then when you did that or did you just kind of, just had a good time and didn't think of that stuff? Just kind of walk us through that a little bit. You know, we were, I mean, it was an honor to play with some of those bands. You know, my hope for every show was that these guys aren't so depressed from hearing how great we are that they don't even want to come out on stage. So I was always concerned for their <laughs> mental health because we were on the same bill. Um, no, I, I never felt that pressure. What I felt pressure for, if I felt any pressure was, which I was so oblivious to feeling any pressure, I think, but was the fact that I wanted us to be as good as we could be. And the one thing about the rods is when we used to joke about the fact that it's, Instead of, I'm sorry, I have a contractor here who doesn't care that I'm doing an interview. Um, <laughs> was, you know, instead of normal bands counted off, you know, one, two, three. But for the rods, the, the thing was, on your mark, get set, go, and meet you at the end of the song. So mm -hmm. that was our attitude, was like, okay. how much energy and how much mm -hmm. can we bring to each thing and each song and each show? And that was our thing, you know, we just wanted the best show we could do. And we loved what we were doing, as you mentioned. We loved that. It was so much fun. It was it was just a great time and uh, great energy. And so that was our big concern. So we weren't really thinking about any of the other bands. In fact, we were in awe of the other bands. Like, how can you not be in awe of Maiden or Priest? Right. Um, you know, they're just, those bands were just phenomenal. Ozzy, all those bands we got to tour with, you know, we were just, wow. Let's, let's finish and quick shower and get back out there to watch these guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys got some uh, dates, obviously, lined up, Carl, in Australia, the Rods. Uh, anything else that you got planned? Fill us in on what's, what the plan is to promote uh, the Rattle the Cage. We have dates in the in the works, but nothing I can announce yet other than the okay. Australia dates. Okay. But uh, there will be some dates and uh, hopefully some European dates, but uh, we have to see. Everything has gotten very expensive, so it's very mm -hmm. tricky now. Right. Different, sure. different day. Yeah, but no. uh, but we definitely want to come back to Europe, and there's been discussion with some festivals, so we'll see. Okay, fantastic, oh, fantastic. Well, in the meantime, everyone can go ahead and check out "Rattle the Cage," the Rods. It's a brand new album out now on Massacre Records. Uh, Carl, go ahead and and just again, I know you said it earlier, but just what's the best place that the listener viewers can go and check out the band and buy your merch and you know all that good stuff and keep up with the band. You can go to therods.com, and also you can go to Carl Kennedy Facebook, David Feinstein Facebook, Freddie Villano Facebook, um, and also we find us on all the platforms. So, but in terms of contacting us, you know, try one of those or the Rods fan page. Sweet, fantastic. All right, once again, the Rods rattle the cage out now. And hey, Carl, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us, man. Great new record, and good luck on the road and with the record. And uh, yeah. Hope everything goes well with it, man. Everyone, we see go it. ahead and check it out. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. You got the it. All right. 